He goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Now listen, man, he's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Leafs Lunch is brought to you in part by Two for One Pizza. Dot com. It's two for one Tuesday. Order a regular price pizza from the Create Your Own menu and get a second pizza of the same or lesser value free. Uh, welcome to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. It's Julie Tesheri and Mike DeStefano. Scott Wheeler will join us momentarily to chat a little bit about upcoming NHL drafts and, and prospects in the Leafs system to keep us up to date uh, in these dark days for the Leafs of, of the All-Star break. You know, he may write about prospects and he watches a lot of prospects, but... I don't know if he plays many games against NHL prospects. I think you might be more of an expert at this point, at least when it comes to the Peterborough Peets. Every part of my body hurts today. <laughs> <laughs> so Every who, part of my body is in pain today. For those who don't know, so Julia wasn't on the show yesterday. Explain why. Uh, I was with my bar down teammates, and we had a little road. We also just recently got new, new gear. Like new merch, New jerseys. No, uh, New Jersey. We got New jerseys and we got track suits. So I felt like I was like, going like to a travel team. Like y'all are AAA. Yes. Travel team. Yeah, a travel team that consisted of Reagan Suman, myself, Jesse Pollock, and Corin McCallum, and we're going three on three with the whole Peterborough Pete's team. One body on the bench. Oh God! Against <laughs> the whole team. Uh, against like ten of them. Okay. Against like ten of them, we 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 whittled it down to the NHL. Prospects and and guys who've signed and and draft picks and and so, so the, basically the we got all players. the best players. So yes, exactly. <laughs> the Brendan Othmans of the world. Uh, the Owen Beck. Owen Beck played in an NHL game against the Ottawa Senators last week, and he played against me yesterday. So at, following their practice, they had a little bit of a three on three tournament, um, and then we rolled in and and yeah. So essentially, it was we played three on three. We started with a five goal advantage, and we played first to eleven. And we lost. I, I can spoil it. The YouTube video is not going to come up for a while, but we obviously lost eleven to seven. It was. It uh, so was two, two goals. Yes. Yes. Jesse got one, and Corman got one, and one was like, like they allowed Corman and Jesse to go down on a two on and score. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse fought. It was like an all star game. Yeah, Jesse fought everyone. What? Jesse fought everyone. Jesse dropped the gloves so many times, and I think at some point it got to. Just an area where Jesse was was dropping the gloves in order to give us a little bit of a break. <laughs> just like because there, that's at least two minutes. Yeah, where y'all can go take a seat. I could lay on but the. Then he's in the box. There's a lot of viz three, of me. You like you guys had to be out there for like five minutes. Uh, no? laying. No, he wasn't going. The, the, it, we were just continuing on. We were that just playing. Sense. It was just sense. run and gun type of thing. Um, Who got impressed a, you the most? Um. I feel like Brendan Othman's a pretty good. Player, yeah, he man. was like chilling yesterday. He he's pretty slick. I think I've watched did Owen Beck a lot. God? Did you get God at all? Oh, I got God a ton. I laid. I accidentally. You'll see it when it comes out. But I. I tripped. I think it was Tucker Robinson. I think he's a Seattle draft pick. He. So I've watched Owen Beck play a lot, and I've lot. I've watched Brennan Othman play a lot in person. So they didn't shock me or anything. But yeah. Tucker Robinson or Robertson, rather, was the guy that really stuck out to me yesterday. It's like, damn, I didn't know you were good like this. He is unreal, and I tripped him egregiously once and did not get called for it. So shout out to the non-existent reps in Peterborough uh, for letting me get away with that one. But yeah, 
thing. He went to the fourth round to, to Seattle. He's awesome. And he's got a real hockey player look to him with the mustache and the flow. Like kind of a kind of the Arbor Jack guy aesthetic with dark flow like and Steve the little mus- mustache. Steve yeah. mustache. Like that. That guy. Honestly, he's that's like Tom Selleck level when it comes to glorious mustaches. Yeah. Like it's just it's glorious. What's crazy to me though, and I, I realized this while watching the, the World Juniors and stuff. These guys look like men nowadays. Like, it's insane how, like, 16, 17, 18-year-old young children, basically, look like men. Straight up men. I had this exact conversation yesterday because we're in the dressing room. We're all talking. And Reagan goes, like, I've got five years on this. And Reagan played pretty high-level hockey not that long ago. So she's like, I've got five years on on these guys like i've got to i've got to be okay out there skating wise right oh, and then one of them walks by and i was like well that guy plays on the team and looked like he could be my dad so i don't know if the 5 years <laughs> of I'm age glad. advantage is going to work for us right now anyways with that let's bring in scott wheeler nhl draft and prospects reporter for the athletic and and see if he in the one game i played against the peterborough heats yesterday has a detailed scouting report available on julia sherry <laughs> scott Anything, anything available and on uh, me, up and coming NHL draft prospect? I'm, I'm not quite there yet. You've fallen by the wayside here. I'll have to make sure I look it up on uh, on Instat, the scouting service I use. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll deal with that blow and I'll continue on. I had a really humiliating what performance yesterday. Quadruple, centuple, <laughs> overager. Like what? What's your your situation? There? Listen, I was trying to make a name for myself yesterday, and that one trip I, I laid on on poor Tucker Robertson uh, was was the name I was making for myself. But Scott, uh, your your prospect rankings just came out we really enjoyed reading through all of them and but it, it would just be kind of illegal if we brought you in and didn't first ask about matthew nyes and his hobie his hobie baker candidacy uh what have you thought of his game this season has it improved since last year is it the line mates he's playing with tell us about matthew nyes well he's definitely been spoiled in his collegiate career on the line mates front. yeah uh last year it was ben myers who was a hobie baker a uh, hat trick finalist, i.e., one of the final three players nominated for the Hobie Baker. This year, he's playing with Jimmy Snuggerud and Logan Cooley, two of the top prospects at forward on the planet. Uh, so there's, I mean, he's been, he's been very lucky as a freshman and a sophomore, just in terms of the talent that he's gotten to play with, and it has certainly helped his production, helped his game, helped him, helped him rise to the notoriety that he currently holds as a as a high end prospect in his own right. So. Uh, that piece of it is good. Uh, he's had a very good season in, in his own merits, no question. Uh, he's one of the highest scoring sophomores in college hockey. He's going to break 20 goals, which is a very, very difficult thing to do in college hockey this year. And he's the best player on maybe the best line in the country, on maybe the best team in the country, and they've got a real chance to go back to the Frozen Four. They were disappointed by their result in the Frozen Four last year, and now they've got a chance to go back and, and win a natty, win a national title, and and sort of cap off his career. I think you'll see him turn pro at the end of the year. I think you'll likely see Logan Cooley turn pro at the end of the year. Jimmy Snuggerud, I would guess, goes back for one more season. But they're going to be a much different team next year, and this is his his last kick at the can to, to win that national title that he couldn't get his hands on last year. So it's going to be fun to watch him down the stretch. And then the real question becomes, is he a Leaf after the trade deadline? Is yeah. he a Black Leaf in the playoffs? Do they move him? Do they hang on to him and sign him? And if they do sign him, is he capable of playing directly into the lineup? Or is that more of a next year thing? 
Well, I guess, could you, do you feel comfortable answering that question? Like, you're a guy who does watch him on a much more consistent basis than, than I think any of us in the room right now. Like, does Matthew Nyes, has he made the necessary improvements, you believe, over the course of this second season in the NCAA to, you know, go and make somewhat of an impact with this Maple Leafs team and maybe factor into their playoff roster? I'm confident in saying that he could step in at left wing in their bottom six and give them something that they don't have, give them a bit of scoring touch around the net, give them a physicality and a presence uh, and some size to the to that bottom group of the lineup. Uh, they've been looking for that. We all know they've been looking for that. They went out and got Obey Kubel for that reason. That didn't work out. There, it's kind of been a rotating cast in that in that bottom six, and they didn't like Dennis Malgin because he lacked that. And so... Uh, that that I'm confident in saying that he could come in and and be a part of a playoff team and and have an impact. I am not confident in saying that he's going to fill that second left wing boy that everybody wants him to. Right, at least not right away. I think he'll get there. I think he's capable of becoming a 25 goal guy in the NHL long term. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a true star, but I think he's going to be a very good top nine winger in the NHL. Uh, but they, 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 if if you want to win a Stanley Cup, is is Matt Nyes as a rookie the guy that you want filling that void? I'm not sure that he's going to have that level of sort of sizzle and, and sort of immediacy in terms of stepping into the lineup. So that's the big question: is do the Leafs feel differently than I do, or are the Leafs going to make that a priority into the deadline? And if they are making it a priority into the deadline. It makes a lot of sense to, to move him as, as part of that package if they really want to go for it. If their leaps are intent on, on pushing the chips all in again, and I think there's lots of reason to do that. Uh, he, this is the, as I mentioned, because of the line mates, maybe this is the best time to sell high on Matt Nyes. Maybe he has really benefited from playing with Ben Myers a year ago and, and Logan Cooley and Jimmy Snuggerud this year. Maybe his stock will never be higher than it is in this current moment, and and that's the piece that you move. Because, frankly, beyond him, with Nick Robertson's injury troubles uh, and and the loss of value there, there really isn't isn't much. Fraser Minton's a good prospect. Topini Emma is a good prospect. But they're not going to carry the kind of value in a a big trade deadline move that a player like Nyes could. So he feels like that one bullet in the chamber that they have to play if they really want to go big in the next couple of weeks. What would you say is maybe the one thing that that because not to say that I'm surprised by that, but like I know we've had many conversations about how you value picks and prospects mm-hmm. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So what what gives you pause? You think that makes that that allows you, I guess, to say maybe they could move on from Matthew Nyes? Is there something about his game that might worry you when it comes to translating into a bona fide top six forward at the NHL level? Well, he his game in a nutshell is all about the, the size strength piece. He was kind of a five foot ten, five foot eleven skinny guy growing up, and as a result, he had skill and he developed his shot and he played a much different game than he now does. And he really, really had a huge growth spurt in his draft year and post draft season. Uh, he shot up originally to six foot one. He's now six foot three. He's also, if you ever run into him, one of the stockiest, most athletic, most physically imposing people you'll ever see in the, at that age. Uh, there aren't many twenty-year-olds in hockey who are as as developed as he now is. He's a very, very strong, broad-shouldered, muscular kid. Uh, so that has be he's had to change his game as a result. Now it's all about getting off the wall, that interior drive and attacking into his shot. His shot really, really sort of pops off of his blade. So 
those are his strengths. I, I think in time, uh, some of the, the sort of weaknesses that have cropped up into his game as, as he's sort of found his body and figured it out have been maybe a little bit uh, of, of a skating issue from a standstill. He can really sort of gallop and, and get going once he gets a full head of steam. And he, once he does get a full set of steam through the neutral zone, he can push defenders onto their heels. And he's a very strong, powerful stride that way. But there is a little bit of sluggishness in the, the sort of early acceleration when he's standing still in the defensive zone or offensive zone and a puck squirts loose and he's got to chase for it. That's where he's uh, definitely on the slower side in terms of the NHL pace that those guys move at. So I think he may struggle in that way. And then he's not really a natural passer. So uh, he's going to need the right kind of line mates to get the most out of him. He's going to work the wall and work below the goal line and drive to the net and score goals in the home plate area. But he's not a natural sort of facilitator. He's not going to elevate his line mates. I think he's going to need them to elevate him that way. Uh, so you're going to need to play him with someone who can who can hang on to the puck and distribute and draw attention and allow him the time and space to get open for his shot. So uh, those are the two things. It's just he's he's not going to be, I don't think, a driver of, of puck possession in terms of hanging on to the puck and having the puck on his stick and being that, that game breaker who you want the puck in his hands. He's not, he's not a William Nylander. He's not a Mitch Marner. He's not that type of player. Uh, and then the, the skating in, in sort of short bursts, he, he's, I think he's going to potentially lose some races and get caught reaching in because he's just uh, not all that fleet of foot uh, early in his acceleration. Interesting. Okay, Leafs Nation, you heard it all there from Scott Wheeler on, on Matthew Nyes and, and his potential to maybe step into an NHL roster and, and kind of uh, what exists. There's so many expectations on this kid, so it's nice to get a good measured piece of analysis, Scott. Um, you mentioned Nick Robertson when you were talking about Leafs assets they have ahead of this deadline, and of course with his injury, he's it's not going to be one of them this year. But but where are you at with Nick Robertson in general and his stock coming into the season? There was no guy who had more. I don't know if there's pressure, but there's so many expectations on him this season to finally make the jump to the NHL. Doesn't work out. He sustains that season-ending injury. Is I don't know. Just where are you at with him right now? I still really believe in Nick and the player that he's capable of becoming. I still truly believe he can become a middle six energy winger, fan favorite who scores 18, 20 goals a year and is on the top two power play units and uh, just wills plays into existence and everybody loves because of the effort level and all of that. I still think he's going to get there. Obviously, the injury history is huge now. It, it, first it was a wrist, then it was his rib cage, then it was his knee, then it was his hip, then it was his groin, then it was his shoulder. Like he's, he's been through the gauntlet. There's been a little bit of everything uh, that has cropped up over the last four or five years from him, even dating back to his draft year when he played through that wrist injury that he had in Peterborough and all of that. So it's been a, a tough journey for him. And because of the way that he plays, he invites those injuries. He, he, he's fearless. He, and I don't want him to, I don't think I would want him if I were the Leafs to change those habits, to, to shy away from chasing pucks like he does and going to the net like he does. And uh, that's going to result in, in taking some bumps. And you just have to hope that he can stay healthier than he has managed to in the past. And, and maybe that never happens for him. Maybe he's just uh, the sort of square peg round hole kind of thing in terms of the Leafs organization and the injuries and, his style of play and all of that. But I know, I know he worked very, very hard last summer to add some weight so that that would happen less. And then inevitably it, despite being a very, very strong and stocky kid for five foot nine, it happened again. Right. So 
I, I just hope he can get back. And I know the Leafs aren't aren't in a position where they can just make opportunities for him. I think if he'd played in another organization over the last couple of years, even with the injuries that he's faced, he would have been a, a full-time NHLer just with his pedigree, how much he scored in the AHL and before that in Peterborough. There are teams all over the league that would have been eager to slot him into their lineup and that were slotting while the Leafs weren't playing him, were slot, slotting lesser prospects who were their top guys into their lineups, right? So that piece has also played against his favor just because he hasn't had the opportunity and the Leafs are going to go out and try to add and add and add and constantly round out their roster again this summer. And that's going to result in another crowd of 13, 14, 15 NHL forwards in in training camp next year. And he's going to have to beat out veteran guys that are named players that we are all familiar with that they're going to sign uh, in free agency this summer. So, uh, it's that piece of it's just hard for him where nothing's going to be given and because of the injuries it feels like he's constantly hitting the restart button and having to rework his way and uh, sort of reprove his worth and uh, the talent's there that the hands the shot the work ethic all of that's there uh he's not going to be a star but i i still believe he can get there it's just a matter of now again yet again getting healthy and, and getting back at it yeah, health is always going to be kind of the thing when it comes to, to Nick Robertson. I remember we spoke to yeah. him at the beginning of the season at, at Media Day, and that's what he said. Like, well, what are you hoping out of the season? He said, my goal is just to stay healthy. Like, I just got to play games. It's a guy who's, I think I looked it up at the time of the injury. He played 86 games, I want to say, since COVID. Like, 86 games since March of 2020. The guy just needs to play in order to uh, to get back to, to where he needs to be and to get back on that trajectory as a top-six scoring uh, scoring player. But we'll see. He's out for the year, but next season, another opportunity for uh, for for Nick Robertson. Another guy I want to ask you about, though, Scott, is, is someone who I know you were, you were very high on for a while, and it's it's the goaltending prospect, Joe Wall. Um, you know, really good career at Boston College and then kind of an up-and-down minors career since then. Again, a guy who's dealt with some injuries. But since coming back from that injury this season, um, he's been spectacular. 13 and one with the Marlies, with uh, an, an eight, a 9.30 save percentage, and I think he was just what did he get? Goalie of the the weekend at the All Star game, at the AHL All Star game. Well, he won the the uh... won a couple of events, but I think he was like nominated or something. Challenge. Yeah, yeah. won a breakaway challenge. Stopped like eight of ten shots or something like that. Having a having a phenomenal year. At the end of the day, um, you had him as as your number eight ranked prospect uh, when you did your your Leafs ones a couple of weeks ago. I mean, do you think that Joe Wall has what it takes to to be an NHL starter? Um, is he a guy that the Maple Leafs like? Do they have something here with with Joe Wall? Would you like to see him get a couple of starts here, especially with Matt Murray's ankle issue? I would definitely like to see him get a couple of starts here. Uh, as far as starter upside, I think that's going to be a tall task. Uh, I don't think anybody has ever viewed him, even when the Leafs drafted him as high as he did, even when he was a top prospect at the national program and a top prospect at Boston College. I think he was always sort of projected to be at his ceiling more of a tandem goaltender, sort of better than a backup, but not quite a starter. And I think that is still what you'd hope out of him. Uh, if, if he can be a backup at his floor and maybe a 1B at his ceiling, uh, that's, a, that's a really good outcome for Joe Wall, especially because he's not all that young anymore either. He's 24 years old, so... Uh, it's kind of that now is the time for him. I know the Leafs really like him. They really liked him even when he was dealing with the injuries and he had that thumb that broke on him in his first training camp, and it was just a weird couple of years of of on-and-off injuries. And even when his play wasn't there, even when he was sub-900, they really liked him. They loved the kid. He's an awesome kid if you ever talk to him, just 
the way that he he sort of articulates himself and all of that. Uh, and they're a fan of the work ethic and and the the, the fundamentals too. He's a six foot three goalie with good fundamentals. So um, that piece of it is is still exciting, I think, for them, even though he is twenty four. Uh, and I, I think he'll, I think he'll be a, a, a piece of the puzzle here moving forward. I expect that the Leafs are are going to come back with Matt Murray next year, and they're probably going to not be able to re-sign Ilya Samsonov, and they will likely, I'm sure, bring in somebody else to sort of battle with Joe Wool for for that tandem with with uh, with Matt Murray next year. And that's obviously not a perfect solution. That's not what anybody no. uh, sort of, sort of <laughs> for their goaltending. But I think that's the that's the most likely outcome, the most practical reality for them. And uh, maybe Joe Wool can get hot. The Leafs are an excellent. People forget the Leafs are an excellent defensive team these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the best teams in the league defensively, and that, that's shown up in the play of Ilya Samsonov and um, sort of bouncing back like he has, etc. So, uh, and the, as long as you can get sort of nine ten or in and around nine ten uh, goaltending from your two goalies, I think the Leafs will remain a top team. Uh, for the foreseeable future, and I, I think Joe Wool can probably give them that. I think he's capable of being that as a backup or a one B here yeah. uh, over the next couple of years. Yeah, I, I hate the thought of Matt Murray and Joe Wall though being <laughs> I, the goalie ten of next you're, year. You're, I actually hate the thought of that so much. His face was so disturbed when you said that, Scott. I have to tell you, <laughs> it was an extremely disturbed face that uh, we got from my buddy AB here uh, with Scott Wheeler right now. And Scott, there's I have this crew of guys on the Marlies that I refer to well, on the Marlies Leafs, those fringe guys that I refer to as just kind of the dudes because they're kind of interchangeable and they all come in and play a good game and then they'll have kind of a lame one and, and they'll sit out and another dude will come in and he'll do that dude role of like Anderson, McMahon Zach and Reese, I kind of circle into the dudes a bit though he's a more regular Leafs guy but which one of the which one of these Marlies dudes that kind of go up and down do you see being a part of the Leafs playoff roster? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, certainly Sheldon seems to have some kind of a fondness for for Bobby McMahon. I, I personally, I'm partial to the the Pontus Holmbergs and the Joey Andersons. I actually really quite like Joey Anderson as a fourth line player in the NHL. Uh, just works really hard, skates well, good size, in, extremely smart uh, in terms of where to be on the ice, how to support the play, how to get pucks back. Decent uh, on the wall too. Yeah, he's good along yeah. the wall. He's he's a quietly pretty effective fourth-line player for what Sheldon and the Leafs are looking for. And there is a little bit of skill there. He can contribute offensively here and there and that kind of a thing. So uh, I, I, I've got, I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for Joey Anderson, and I felt since he arrived in Toronto that he has almost all kind of been overlooked. Even last year and earlier in the year, um, it, it was Alex Steves, right? There was always this new guy coming up from the Marlies to, to get a look and Joey felt like he'd earned that as well, and I think his play this season has suggested that he's 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 fine as a 12th or 13th forward on an NHL team, even a good one like the Leafs. So uh, he'd probably be my guy. I know everybody loves Pontus Holmberg, and I expect that Pontus will be uh, a part of the mix here. And I know everybody was a little confused by him bouncing up and down between the AHL recently, but uh, I, I'm I think both of those guys have an opportunity to be a part of it. I expect that the Leafs will add one forward at the deadline. Uh, but that still gives gives some of those other guys an option to to stick around. And the one guy who I do have questions about, and the Leafs have seemed to like in the heavier games, is Wayne Simmons, right? right. I, I'm not sure that Wayne Simmons is one of the Leafs' 13, 14 best forwards when it's all said and done come playoffs, but I do wonder whether he 
gets that job over a guy like a Joey Anderson just because of, of the ability to insert him into a lineup for a, for a specific niche, right? So uh, Simmons is the one guy who I'll be watching closely down the stretch just to see if he looks like he can hang or if he looks like he's he's sort of finally passed it out there. Okay, I got, I got two more questions for you, so we got to hit on these both pretty pretty quickly. First one uh, is a question I ask you every time that you join us. Who is the least prospect in the system that had the biggest leap that is being slept on right now, who's having a fantastic year and has seen their stock rise a lot? And then, uh, well, I'll ask the other question afterwards. So answer that one first, and then I'll follow <laughs> up with the other one. <laughs> I'll go to two guys. Uh, one would be another goaltender to add to that sort of potential backup 1B future with the Leafs conversation that we had about Joe Wool. Uh, and that's Dennis Hildeby, mm. drafted as a double overager out of Sweden after an excellent year last year. And he's one of the top goalies, uh, frankly, one of the top goalies in the SHL, which is arguably the third best professional league in the world after the NHL and the KHL. I would argue that it's right there with the AHL for, for that sort of number three spot. He's been tremendous this season. He's only 21. He's signed already to an ELC, so the Leafs are clearly believers in him. Uh, and he's he's been very very good. I wouldn't even be surprised if if Hildeby is in the conversation for for Sweden's national team at the men's world championships uh, this spring. So uh, that's the kind of progression that he's had despite only being 21, which is for a goaltender still very very young. So uh, intrigued for sure by Dennis Hildeby. He's huge and he's got good numbers. And when you're huge and you've got good numbers, that's normally a good sign. So uh, keep an eye on him. And then Nikita Grebyonkin. Uh, who's actually playing over in the KHL, another overager who has had a really strong season. There have been greater opportunities in the KHL this year because of uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the lesser amount of players from the rest of Europe and from North America who are playing in the league. That has resulted in a little bit of a boost for the 18, 19, 20-year-olds who are the top players uh, in their age groups in Russia. But he wasn't even one of those kids. He wasn't even considered to be really the cream of the crop in his age group. And he is now playing and producing like those kids are, like the, the second and third and fourth round picks are from from, from Russian age groups over there. So uh, that's a credit to him. He's had a, a really, really good season. He's a, a good sort of top nine winger in the KHL at 19 years old. So uh, and, and he's got some size as well, which is, isn't a or is atypical of, of Leafs prospects other than Matt Nye's. There's not a lot of size in terms of the forwards that are coming uh, in the system. So uh, he's a, he's a, a little bit of a unique prospect, and it's still it's, it's going to be years before he potentially sort of comes over here and gives the AHL a go and tries to climb into the NHL. But you could be hearing about him as the the next Pontus Holmberg, if you will, or that type of player who comes over at 22, 23, and is suddenly on the NHL roster. Couple names to keep an eye on there, Leafs Nation. Love it. Uh, all right, last question that I have for you. All right, is a hypothetical, and I just want the name. All right, so today's the 47th anniversary of Daryl Sittler's 10 point game. Who do you think is more likely to achieve that 10 point game at some point in their career? Connor McDavid or Connor Bedard? Oh, Connor McDavid. No question. <laughs> no questions asked. Uh, I think Connor's. With that team, with that power play, playing with Leon, I think it's only a matter of time, not before he puts up 10. I don't think that's ever going to be done again in all likelihood. But I think we could see a seven or eight point game in the next couple of years uh, out of out of Connor McDavid. He's the only player on planet Earth that I would say that about. So 
uh, I, it's, there's going to be a huge sort of historic night for McDavid at some point. He's going to get four on the power play, and they're going to win nine one, and uh, he'll get he'll get his his looks at even strength and have a huge night at some point. So I'll I'll go with uh, I think Connor Bedard's a fabulous talent, but I'm I'm not convinced he's going to be in the the sort of Mount Rushmore conversation, and I truly believe we're going to see McDavid get there. Yeah, can't doubt Connor. Connor the first, I guess we'll refer to him as from Connor this point forward. Okay, last one for you, Scott. Niche junior hockey question. Last night was Mitch Marner bobblehead night in uh, in London. I saw people lining up around the Budweiser in order to be one of the first few in the arena to get uh, Mitch Marner bobblehead. The best giveaway you've seen in junior hockey. <laughs> Ooh, uh, I'd have to scrape my brain for that one. I, I covered the Ottawa 67s and Gatineau Owing Peaks uh, for several years, for four years, really. And I, I would say that it's not a giveaway, but they would do uh, $2 beers wow. at the old Robert Curtin oh, Center, formerly known as the Bob. It has since been demolished, but the Bob was a legendary, absolutely legendary um, junior hockey rink, my favorite junior hockey rink that I've ever been in. Uh, was sad when they replaced it with their beautiful, I will admit, uh, state-of-the-art slush puppy center that's in Gatineau now is a is a fantastic new rink uh, and could be a great second host for the for the World Juniors someday if Ottawa were to ever get it as the primary host again they could easily have that as the second rink but the Bob was was a uh, an amazing amazing rink uh, just screechingly rat loud the speakers were broken and crackling they had smoke machines where the smoke would linger in the building uh for the for, for about half the game before it would dissipate and the, the fans would just pack in there and, and uh, once a week they'd have those two dollar cans of beer nights and people would get after it and it was as fun a place to watch a hockey game as i've ever been to so uh, miss the Bob big time, and and I don't think we're going to see two dollar beers at any oh, junior no. hockey rink anytime soon. What a shame! That sounds. Where are the bucket beers? Like Shouldn't they be in every hockey arena across the nation? <laughs> <laughs> Tell you, dollar beer nights back in back in university. Those were the days. Those were the days. Speaking of London, eh? Exactly, exactly. Uh, appreciate it as always, Scott. We'll chat again down the road. Cheers, guys. All right, there you go. Scott Wheeler, NHL Draft uh, and Prospects Reporter for The Athletic. Oh, yeah. Dollar Beer Nights was fantastic. Was it Monday, Monday nights at Jax? Yeah, it's, it's Mondays in Guelph, too. Yeah, Monday nights, Dollar Beers. The oh, worst man. beer in the world in a, in a tiny plastic yeah, it was cup. It like PBR or something. Probably 50 like cents worth of beer. Yeah. Really, like you're still probably getting upcharged yeah. with the half-full plastic cup that they throw at you at the bar yes, when you order 10. Yeah, little Dixie cups, basically. Yeah, yeah, but good time nonetheless. But you feel like a, you literally feel like a boss where you go, you just say, give me 20. Yeah. You toss down a 20, and then you get a tray, and you walk up to like all your friends, you're like, here's my round, and everyone's just grabbing beers off your tray, and away you go. It's yeah. fantastic. It's a beautiful You got the thing. people who like do the, the funnel, they hold it in like two different hands or two different fingers and they funnel it into each other that was next level <laughs> it's true it's that was true. next level uh all right on the other side jt we're doing a little power ranking okay we're looking at the most important maple leafs down the stretch we got about 30 games left for the maple leafs starting on friday they got a back-to-back against columbus we've compiled a list of the top five players who we believe are most important to their success down the stretch we will unveil that on the other side, I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tesherios and Elise Lunch here on TSN 1050. Back, you, Now, back to Leafs Lunch.
on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Lunch Power Rankings. Ooh, I haven't heard that little puppy in a while. AB, uh, welcome into Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. It's Julia and AB with you. And in these in these quiet days, I said dark days before, and that made it sound like it was bad. It's just quiet days in Leafs Nation until they have their back ticket back against Columbus on Friday. Uh, we're thinking about the stretch drive of the season. And as I did that very difficult math at the beginning of the show, we've learned that there's about two, a third of the season left. We're about you want to find out exactly? I can tell you it. To the exact number. Tell me. Do the do the do the math. Do the whatever you have to do over so there. There's and I'll be thirty here. games remaining, so we have thirty six percent of the mm, way to a go. A little bit more, yeah. So thirty six divided by a hundred is well or divided by eighty two rather, not a hundred, I suppose would make sense. So yeah. I can't believe you just did that and like you had the confidence to just do that math live on air. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I probably butchered that. I, either way, either way, games left. I backed us into a corner that we didn't need to go into because we're doing a rankings list of the most important Leafs down the stretch here in in these remaining. Sorry, thirty two games. Thirty games left. So we're sixty three percent of the way through the season. Okay, great. That's See, I was pretty one. good on my on my third of the season left then. Yeah, yeah. You're only th- three tenths of a percentage off. It's not bad. It's not up. bad. We uh we we put this out to Twitter before we're we're gonna go through our most important leaps down the stretch. So mm-hmm. text us at ten fifty fifty who you think is going to be the most important Maple Leaf down the stretch or what you think is going to be most important for the Maple Leafs down the stretch or, or tweet us at Leafs Lunch 1050. We got some good responses from you guys. Uh, Joe tweeted at us, if, if Matthews doesn't step up in the stretch drive, this team will fail again and it will be the end of the road for Dubis and Shanahan, which is kind of done on no, but it is ultimately the vibe. A lot hinges on Austin Matthews here. Uh, who else are people? A lot of people saying Jake Chikrin. I, I, we brought it up with Dregs briefly and I didn't go fully into the conspiracy theory because I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of Darren Dreger, but a lot of interesting <laughs> internet sleuths uh, over the weekend looking at Jacob Chikrin's following and, and noticing that he followed some of the big boys on the leaves. No one knows when and, he followed them. but Somebody brought up also there was a flight from like Yeah, they were Arizona. people were flight tracking him. Uh, so a couple people in our responses have tagged and mentioned Jacob Chikrin. Someone said whoever is in net, but let's go through ours five to one right now, A B. Uh at number five, we have more of an item than a person. Do you wanna get yeah, into this? Yeah, I, I for me it's 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 special teams. I think special teams really important for the Maple Leafs to to just uh, fine two things fine-tune things down the stretch. You know, I think we look at a lot of the demise of what we've seen in, in Game 7s. I think it was MJ that brought it up to us. If not yesterday, I think last week he might have even mentioned it. Um, if you look at the Maple Leafs, a lot of their Game 7s are like 0 for 30-something on the power play. Yeah. Right? Like, and we never think about it because it always goes through a phase in the season where it looks so good. Well, and we just are like, yeah, it'll be good in the playoffs. It's always just kind of, yeah, it'll be fine in the playoffs. It's Austin Matthews and, and Will Nylander and JT. Like, how are they going to score go power play goals? Well, they don't. Well, they don't. Because I, I looked it up. So since Sheldon <laughs> Keith became the head coach of the Maple Leafs, their power play percentage, 14%. In the playoffs. Bleh. 
fourteen percent in the playoffs. For a team that good for a power play, that is so much fire. That yeah. that like you got to stuff five forwards on in order to get everybody a touch. And, and when you look at this season in particular, also their their penalty kill has been a bit of a struggle. Uh, their their PK last year at this point at the All Star break, I believe they were uh, third in the NHL. Their penalty kill it's currently sixteenth, seventeenth. Last I checked, so they've mm-hmm. dropped off like four or five percent than it was a, a season ago at this point. So their penalty kill, I think, is also something that that needs to improve. And I think the only way to do that really is is by getting guys at the deadline though that can help in that aspect. Like when you're talking about bringing on players, and, and we're probably talking more depth guys or that big top four defenseman, I, I want to make sure that if you're bringing somebody in, they can help with this penalty kill. Because I will, if we go to a game seven and they lose the game three to one, and that second goal is a, 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 on the power play, then we're going to sit there and say, see, they should have added PK help. Yeah, like it's it, that's Muzzin, something that I think Muzzin is going to be important. That. Well, that's it, right? Like without Jake Muzzin, and we uh, we're kind of assuming that he's not going to be around for. We'll the hear rest an update this month. Interestingly, right? We will get that update, and, and I think most are expecting um, the news that that's just not going to be returning to the Maple Leafs this year. Um, yeah. So they need, need need to fill that void. So for me, shoring up special teams the rest of the way, that to me is going to be important because often. Playoffs comes down to how good's your goalie, and then how like do you win the special teams battle? Yeah, that's well, that's what it comes down to a lot in the playoffs. So shoring that up, which has been a struggle of late, that to me is going to be important. Agree. Okay, number four on our most important Maple Leafs down the stretch, Matt Murray, and we won't see him for Mur-dog. the next little bit here. Yeah, the Merman himself, who has had a. An up and I think it's fair to say up and down season. He's yeah, had totally. some games where he looked incredible, Great. made athletic, acrobatic saves. Uh, there's one game that's escaping me right now, but I know that he's stolen a game for this Leafs team at least once this year. And, and Sheldon Keefe said that directly, but I'm forgetting exactly which game. It there is right was a now. game. Um, I don't remember exactly who was against, but I remember there was a game. There was a statistic that came out where he had the highest goal yes! saved above expected. Since like they started tracking the stat in like 2005. Yeah. Like so so Matt Murray has had some crazy highs this year. He's had some very unfortunate lows with a couple injuries. Um, like the lows haven't been super performance based for Matt Murray, but the injury is always going to be a thing. The the hurdle that the comes last with- impression that we have of Matt Murray was what we saw in Florida. I think that's the biggest problem. Because prior to yes. that, like he was okay. Like there was he hadn't had a real stinker like that to that point. Right. Not really. Like, like not Montreal that bad. night one. Right. Like, there was a, the conversation about the high glove, and then it kind of popped up again yep. in Florida, where he allowed four goals on eight shots, and he looked brutal. Yeah. To, you know, and just, there's no sugarcoating it. He didn't look good. And he hasn't played a game since. He was supposed to play against Ottawa. Yeah. Was unable to go. Ankle injury flared up. So there's, there's two situations here with Matt Murray. One, it's somewhat his performance. Because the eight games prior to that Florida game, I think his save percentage was like 888. Yeah. So he was kind of starting to go on the down slope after a really solid November. Where have we seen that before? Uh, just saying. So, you know, there was a, a, a time there where he was starting to go down. So there is some performance, but ultimately, to me, it's health. And why I think he's important is because I think that they need two goaltenders down the stretch. I'm pretty comfortable saying that Ilya Samsonov, like I, I have 
trust, at least in Samsonov, that he's going to play. Is he always going to be a 930 goaltender? No, he's not going to be. He's going to have a couple of games where he allows four or five, is what it is. But ultimately, I I trust that he could stay healthy because he's pretty well shown it to us. And I trust that he can be good more nights than bad. And that's what this team needs. League average goaltending. I think he could be a league average guy, but this is supposed to be a tandem. And I think they need someone to go along with him. And I don't necessarily have that much trust in Matt Murray. So that's why, to me, he's he's important. It's his health. And then when he does get in there and he challenges for games, can he perform? Yeah. Is that glove hand you know, fixed? The, the, the little things in his technical work, has that been kind of ironed out? over the course of this last month or so since we last saw him. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it mostly comes into health, and also shout out to this listener who texted us. The Mac Murray game was against Nashville, where he had that incredible performance. Okay, number three, A.B., we move to the blue line. I don't know if it was against Nashville. Mm, I I feel like it was earlier in the season. It wasn't. It was against Dallas. 44 save performance against Dallas. Got a shutout. I'm just believing the void. Shutout in that game. Nice. But anyways, uh, yeah, he had a 970 against Nashville, but I think it was, I remember being earlier in the year, I'm going to assume it was the one against Dallas, where he literally 44-44 for a shutout. That's, that's pretty spectacular stuff. Um, next one on our list. Yeah, I got Mark Giordano as, as one of the more important players down the stretch, and I think a big reason for it is, is because Gio is a guy that he's getting up there in age, and I think there's a big question mark if he can still contribute to the way he did it the first half of the year. Right at 38 years old, going to be 39, is he somebody who you can still get 20 minutes a night out of? And yeah. then can he be as, as effective in the final stretch but also into the playoffs? So he's somebody who I think is going to be important as well because I think he's, if they don't make that upgrade on the blue line, he's going to have to play top four minutes. It's just going to happen. Like I, I don't think Sandine's going to be playing 20, 22 minutes a night against... The, the 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 Tampa Bay Lightning or the Boston Bruins. So it's going to rely on, on Mark Giordano. Yeah. And for him, it's can he stay consistent at the level that he's been, or is there going to be a drop-off in play? And the age kind of factors into that. It does, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and have a take on it, because Mark Giordano, actually, when he was logging those crazy minutes when everybody was down, you could maybe start to see a little bit. It started bit, to creep up a little. A, a little bit, bit of, and, but it felt more like... Uh, felt more like mental lapses than physical ones like that guy we've heard from uh it's 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 escaping me who he ha- i think it was david alter actually who was talking to the leafs nutrition squad yeah and, and just talking about how how mark giordano has like a game day smoothie a recovery smoothie how well he takes care of his body yep. how he said time and time again he thinks he plays better when he plays more so i don't know if i have a take on that necessarily other than yeah you're right it's gonna be and i don't like i don't I'm not going to predict that he'll start to deteriorate at any point this season, but definitely something to keep an eye well, on. History there. would show that 38-year-olds exactly. somewhat diminish as yeah. the season goes on, particularly when they're asked to play heavy minutes against heavier, you know, opposition. Yeah. Right. So that that's where the concern comes. All right, we got two guys left on this deal, but I think we got to take a break. So why don't we come back and hit on the the final two most important players down the stretch? But first. The pro line between the benches seats are as close to the action as you can get. You can smell the sweat of the players, hear the rattling of the glass with each hit, and celebrate every goal shoulder to shoulder with our hometown team. Here's your chance to qualify and win these great seats. Caller number 10 right now at 416-870-1050. Caller 10 right now will qualify for their chance to win 
these uh, these seats and we'll be giving away the tickets officially on Friday. So you have another chance to qualify tomorrow as well. Uh, all right, we'll get the final two that we got to hit on our most important lease down the stretch list. We'll do that on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Teixeira. You'll listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Okay, congratulations to Joel from Newmarket. You're in the grand prize draw this Friday where you could win the Pro-Line Between the Benches seats for February 15th when the Leafs take on the Blackhawks. Pro-Line merch, a $75 food and beverage gift card for Scotiabank Arena, and two $50 OLG lottery cards. So congratulations, and make sure you guys keep getting those entries in for that game uh, on the 15th. Now, A.B., you and I were going through before... The break, the five most important Maple Leafs down the stretch in the last 30 games of the season. Uh, we made it all the way to number two. Yes, we did. So we had the special teams at number five. We had Matt Murray at number four, Mark Giordano at number three. And number two, I think, is Morgan Riley. I think Morgan Riley turning it around. Hot topic in the, in, the season. in the city. I mean, he didn't have a good first half. I don't think there's like. I've gotten a lot of Uncle Craig texts about Morgan Riley recently. One hundred percent, and it was absolutely um, net. Like it, they were right. Like he didn't play well. Yeah. I think there's there's no sugarcoating it. He did not have a good first half of the season. But I think now that he's with T.J. Brody, now that he has and, a goal, and, and they're healthy. Now that he has a goal, that monkey off the back. Yeah. I think his. That was a gorilla at that point. That was honestly, getting to be. That was getting that was King to be, Kong. King Kong I mean, that's who I was looking on his for. back, <laughs> that's and, and he just for. took it and said, get out of here. I'm going to have a terrific post-All-Star uh, break. So hopefully that happens because he is one of the guys that I think this year, um, well, he's, he just eats up minutes. Like when a guy's out there for 23 to 25 minutes a game and he's, he's playing be good. poorly, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's going to reflect poorly on the team. So yeah. he's got to be good, and he has to be one of those top pair guys. Got to play better on his own end, but he also does have to contribute and produce offensively. And I think even on we talked about special teams, he's part of that, right? He's got to produce a little bit on special teams. Being on the power play and not scoring a goal for like 50 games, bit of a problem, I would say, for uh, for, for Mo. So hopefully he can have a, a much better second half. But I don't think it's going to surprise anyone that the one player that you're going to be circling and saying, this guy his turnaround or him getting healthy and performing at high levels is going to be important to the Maple Leafs, and that's Austin Matthews. It is. Who else could could it be other than Mr. Face of the Franchise, Mr. First of Overall Draft Pick, Mr. 60 Goals, Mr. Hart from last year, Mr. Rocket from last year? Like, it's got to be him. Mr. Ted Lindsay, your favorite award, A.B. Um, Austin Matthews had an interesting first half of the season, I would say. Uh, he was it's widely noted that he was banged up, something happening there. Now he's getting a little bit of rest with being on the IR and missing those couple games ahead of the break and, and having this bye week until Friday. Austin Matthews needs to have a monster second half of the season, and he needs to have, more importantly, a, a monster postseason. Yes. A monster first round of the playoffs. Yep. He, he hasn't had a marquee playoff performance yet. Nobody on the Leafs has had a marquee playoff performance in which they just no. threw the team on the back. I can't even think of a game 
like a one game marquee like game one from the playoffs last year against Tampa where they all where they just stomped them. Yeah, that was a team. Like the, yeah, was it was a team, team but it wasn't. You're right. It wasn't an Austin Matthews right. penalty kill. The penalty kill showed up in that. Game. Yeah, yeah. But that's, I did again, not show up in that game. I was trapped on an airplane at Pearson Airport. Oh, do you remember yeah, that? Right, How mad I, I was. I do. Urgh, I was. Yeah. I landed at like four o'clock, but I was on the tarmac till like ten o'clock. Anyways, <laughs> I was so mad about that. But it's Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews has to have a huge second half of the season if the Leafs are going to go anywhere in the postseason. He has to be the best player on the ice. Absolutely. Uh, well said, JT. Uh, Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards, available for purchase at Petro Canada, the perfect gift for any occasion. That does it for us today. We'll be back tomorrow at noon. If you missed any of today's show, you can find it on tsn1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcast. Gameplay with Matt Cause coming up next.